Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, it's Courtney. And Joy Marie here. And we're back with a new uh, sentimental episode of Job Vlogs. Yes, it is the final for now candid career conversation with your group chat girlfriends. And it's also a celebration. Mm-hmm. Praise God 2018 is getting its walking papers. And we can look back not just on this year, but three years of amazing conversations. Yes, yes. So definitely stay tuned. We have some fun reflections coming up for you guys. But first, as always, we got to clock in, check in with each other as we wrap up the year. Yeah, so I thought it would kind of be fun for this clock in um, to reflect on some positives. Like this Mm -hmm. year has been kind of a dumpster fire of a cultural landscape. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I want to highlight some career moves that kind of inspired us in 2018. So right, Joy, you're, you're always good for a sleigh catalog. Who, yeah. who do you love this year? You know, I feel like this year there were a lot of bold moves from women around the theme of reinvention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we saw a couple people really step out, step away from what they were known for, what they built careers around to take a risk in a new venture and kind of a new landscape. So, you know, shouts to folks like Kalana Barfield-Brown, who's a fashion editor at InStyle magazine. She left this fall to pursue her own personal projects Mm -hmm. um, and kind of step into more of a role as an influencer. I know she doesn't like that term, but, you know, I thought that was really impressive. Um, We talked about and saw the same from Bozema St. John, who left Uber to step into um, a CMO role at Endeavor, which is more talent management. And I think probably closer to her roots and origins in entertainment. And, you know, the list really goes on and on from there. Like Elaine Welteroth did the same from Teen Vogue. Um, Yvonne Orji has certainly been diversifying. And so I think those moves have been an encouraging reminder that your next step might not always look like something you've done previously or are even like, quote unquote, prepared for. Um, And in many cases, your next industry might not even exist today. So don't let that be a deterrent to kind of, you know, your plans. And as you think about your future, what you can accomplish. Yeah, I think that is kind of the theme, even from my circle and like kind of people I've been watching in my own industry, people are kind of really stepping out into new territories and kind of unexpected ways. So I think it's like entrepreneurial in a sense, but also Mm -hmm. to your point, like diversifying. So like kind of unexpected moves. Yeah. And, you know, like I feel like previously the combo has always been like corporate versus entrepreneur. And I think maybe what I love about all these examples is that they're a hybrid, right? It's like, you're your own consultant, your own contractor, you're bringing in your own checks, but you're still working or leveraging your corporate experience. So it doesn't have to be a choice either. Mm-hmm. Make it what you want. Yeah, I love that. 
Cool. What are you, who are you shouting For out? me, I'm looking over to, over to that hill in D.C. <laughs> um, I was really inspired by all the new Congresswomen who are headed mm. to the House. Um, just record-breaking numbers, over 100 half seats. Um, and that was really encouraging for me, especially. I tapped out of election night. I wasn't into it. I yeah. kind of went to bed and was like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, but I really love just not only the number of women, but kind of how vocal and just fierce that they are already. Yes. Um, like Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, who mm-hmm. has been kind of like spotlights really been on her. She's a 28 year old Bronx native who won her congressional seat. OK, slay. Yeah. 28. I love that. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> But even recently, they had, like, apparently, this is how out of the know we are as a people. They do, like, an orientation session for new Mm -hmm. congressmen and women. It's called the Harvard Mm -hmm. session. They all go to Harvard and, like, meet with think tanks and, you know, thinkers. And the women there, including Cortez, were calling it out, like, hey, why are... They're only conservative think tanks here. Why am I only hearing from CEOs about mm-hmm. what they think? Like, why aren't activists and unions and organizers here as well? So yeah. I just like the idea that they're coming and just standing up and what they think and just not going yeah. with the status quo. And I think that's what we really need. Like, if I hear one more f- person floating the idea of Bernie or Joe Biden running, <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm just going to fall out on the floor. So even, you know, whether it's government or not, just having that confidence to come into this just this well-established space and saying, hey, I don't like it. I don't like the way I don't like what we're doing here. Yeah. The future is female. I'm excited. Love it. When we were thinking about what to talk about for this episode, I wanted to kind of, well, first of all, I was thinking about, okay, start a podcast now. We started this Mm -hmm. three years ago. We were in our late 20s. And I find, at least for me, I just have such a different viewpoint in those short three years of life. And since it's the end of the year, we're talking about transitions. um, I wanted to kind of start off with what are we leaving behind? What are we bringing with us into these new phases of life? Mm, I love that. Okay. And I think all of you guys listening, I think it's a great idea to do as well. Yeah. Okay. Pack light, as Erica says. We're going to go in with only the things that we need. Okay. All right. Do you want to kick us off? Okay. I can kick us off with a leave behind. Okay. I am leaving behind no. And I know we Mm. talked a lot about back when... Who was who said power of yes? So that's Shonda Rhimes had a book. Yes, that and we was had Shonda. this huge debate over <laughs> yes versus no, <laughs> and what's the value of it? But in, no is a big part. I'm realizing of the way I approach life, and it served me well in some ways because it has mm. set up really great boundaries for me. Um, and there's power in no, just as there's power in yes, because um, mm. it kind of allows you to narrow your focus and things of that nature. Mm. However, the part of no that I'm leaving behind is just the part that's about 
doubt. That's about yes. like what is appropriate for me and what's not. What's yeah. kind of stops me in my tracks. Yeah. Because I even think about in the past year at my job, I've come into contact with like amazing people, like just people I never thought I'd meet. And sometimes I'm blocked because I'm just mm-hmm. like, this isn't. It's like a non-starter. It's in your a mind. non-starter. Like it's yeah. just not even the conversation isn't happening. It's not worth it. So it's just yeah. like I'm blocking opportunities before yeah. they even set the stage to happen. Yeah. Okay. So and I love Janet Mock. She was saying how why does everyone talk about doing the most as a negative thing? Like why would you want to do mm. the least? So I'm mm. I'm moving into like less know more doing the most. Do the most yes. always. <laughs> like, literally all the time. It does not hurt. Yes. Yes. So that is what no gotta no gotta go. Okay, no gotta go. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm right, with what about it. you? Leave behind, Troy. All right. Leave behind, you know, one thing I think when I reflect back and think about when we started is, and we talked about this a few times, is always kind of by nature of the show and talking about work, it's always like a discussion about the next step, the next move, Mm. the next role, the next like where you're going to be located. I want to leave behind destination addiction, Mm. which is just this idea that you're always kind of working towards the next. True. Granted, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think that's how we all operate. Life is linear. We're always moving. But I think when you are always focused on the next thing, you rob yourself of appreciating the moment that you're in and appreciating that you've already fulfilled, you know, the desire that maybe you had five years ago or that you had two months ago. Like, you're in a place somebody else desires to be in. So I think just like the constant need to, you know, tick something off the box and then focus right away on the next thing, that is what I want to leave behind. Yeah. Enjoy the moment, be present, be appreciative, and pat yourself on the back for, like, everything that you accomplished to get where you're at. For real. So. And truly, that's where life happens. Like, most of life is in between things happening. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, on that note, that's everything that we're leaving behind. What are we taking with us? I am taking with me, I'm taking vulnerability with me. You know, Therapy is a wonderful thing. So I am, (laughs) I realized that, like, I view myself as this very emotional, sensitive person. And most people are shocked to know that about me because I feel like viewing myself as vulnerable has bred, like, kind of a guardedness. And Mm. this year, I really started to kind of be more intentional about kind of opening myself up more if I'm struggling with something, if I'm just mm-hmm. not in a great mood, whatever it is, just kind of sharing when things aren't perfect and mm. just making sure that that's kind of part of what I'm projecting as well. They're like, not everything's going great all the time and that's fine. Yeah. Um, and being kind of open and receptive to when I need help or assistance with things. Yeah. Um, so really it's... it's Still working on that and solidly standing in the fact that vulnerability kind of takes strength. Like we always view it as like, oh, this is a weakness. And when you're being vulnerable, you're opening yourself up. That's a weakened state. But I think the biggest revelation I had this year was that to be vulnerable is takes a lot of strength and bravery. 
Absolutely. Oh, I love that spin on it. That's so true. That's so true. And also, like, I feel like when you are vulnerable and let people see that, because a lot of times people can relate to that, it helps them connect with you. And sometimes it helps them, like, know how to help you or how to come to you Mm -hmm. with new ideas or new opportunities. So... I'm really into that. Yeah, that. yeah. Hopefully I'm working my way to bringing that to work and professional life as well. Because I think, especially as women, as Black women, like we have this need to be like capable. And mm. I'm trying to figure out like how to have that vulnerability even with my work without not coming off as like a fierce, just <laughs> on top yeah. of everything type of person. Yeah. So yeah. if y'all know, please, <laughs> please, please share. Uh-huh. All right, Jay. Bring it with you. New year. Um, so for the new year, I think what I'm really becoming more interested in is just like curiosity, like mm. kind of like stepping outside of your comfort zone. So this is going to be so subjective depending on who you are and what you've experienced in your life. But I think like bringing into the new year, you know, learning about different departments, asking people who are outside of your comfort zone or social circle, like what they do, where they live, what cuisines they're into, Mm. like what destinations they go to. I just think curiosity is kind of that element that can open your world up to things that you don't anticipate or expect. Mm. So just having that mindset of like leaving space in your life and in your routine for something new, something different, whatever that might be. Like, you know, going to a different type of restaurant once a week or saying yes to the thing that, you know, generally you'd say no to. Or I don't know, even sometimes like opening up an email you treat as spam about an event somewhere Mm -hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't look twice at. I just think spontaneity, curiosity is something that we have to be intentional about cultivating. And by doing so, it can sometimes really surprise us and open us up to new new people, new opportunities, new relationships. Yeah, I hear that. And I think connecting the dots. I feel like (laughs) what you said before about being in the moment, Mm -hmm. like curiosity, you have to be in the moment to let curiosity kind of bloom because like if I'm so focused on the next thing I don't have time to think about like oh what is that thing over there you know you have to really slow down um for that to happen okay boom leave behind bring with us (laughs) (laughs) but I mean speaking of slowing down so much has happened like not just this Mm -hmm. year but since this podcast started like we when we talked, we were talking about ending the show. I was like, this is actually the perfect time for like a season finale because (laughs) personally, like so many pivotal moments have happened and it's kind of like a nice bow on where we're ending it now. What would you say is like that big moment from the start of the show that kind of resonated with you? Like career-wise? It can be career or personal. Like kind of what's that defining thing in the arc that is our three-year sitcom that is Jetwalks. Yeah. Well, y'all know on the personal front, I mean, I've been talking about it like nonstop. I think for me, like faith and just making sure I'm grounded spiritually mm-hmm. has been a game changer. But I will talk about something professional. Okay. Um, 
right now because, you know, I there was this big moment in a previous role where I hit a point, got really kind of like demoralized and down by other people's actions and kind of what I was perceiving. And then I started to sort of build a narrative around those patterns and actions and Mm -hmm. started to feel kind of, um, you know, insecure and lacking confidence about myself and my performance and, um, you know, started to really focus on like, what's my exit plan here? But I have to say that like, I had to make a decision to, and it was almost overnight, to like take ownership for me Mm. and basically switch my whole attitude. And it was like, I'm here and I'm here right now and I'm not going to get a job overnight tomorrow. So like, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to get to work on time. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to be friendly with people. I'm going to go out of my way to like ask what more I can do and and be more helpful. And when I did start to do that, I kind of manifested that energy back from my colleagues and coworkers and the partners I was working with. And I guess like my point is just, you can't really, I mean, you can, but you don't want to leave like one position to move into another from a place of lack. You want to move from a place of abundance. And when you're like, we've all seen these people and interviewed them. Like when you're like down and you really hate your job and things are really not going well, you kind of like ooze a certain aura Mm -hmm. that almost makes it harder to (laughs) get new opportunities. You know what I mean? So I guess my, my thing, my reflection is just always take ownership for you. And even if you can't change the circumstances around you right away, change your own attitude, change your own actions and, you know, kind of operate in gratitude and the abundance will start to come. Like the opportunities you want will start to come as a result of that. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought this up too, because I feel like a lot of people need to hear this in the (laughs) sense that I just know so many people who are looking for jobs right now. And for whatever reason, it's not working out or they're not finding them. And I never (laughs) know what to say. Cause I mean, I've been there, like I've been there when it's been like months looking for a job and I know you have too. And it is just such like a soul crushing experience. And after a while, like saying like, Oh, the right position's going to come. It's going to come. It's like, even I get tired of saying it. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I don't know what else to say, but that's such a great perspective to have. Like, okay, what can I do for me, like in this space to improve it? Because to your point, it's like there's only so much you control. Like you can't you yeah. can't control what job comes. You can't control what your coworkers are doing in this job that you don't love. Yeah. All you can yeah. do is <laughs> 
you need to do your healing and get to a good place before you kind of get into the next space because you're going to bring all that baggage with you. That is real. (laughs) That is so real. That's so real. Cool. What about you? What's been that that like pivotal moment in the last three? I would say, speaking of relationships, (laughs) just the abusive relationship that is grad school. Is so pivotal. I mean, y'all still don't ask me if you, uh, whether you should go to grad school or not. Because I'm going to tell you no. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you no. I'm going to tell you wasting your time. And that's not a great advice because everyone's different. <laughs> and every path is different. And I say that and I still don't know if it was a waste of time for me. Because, like, first year was amazing. I was like, yes, okay. class learning. It's great. And then it's like, this is a multi-year commitment. No one wants to do anything for (laughs) multi-years. So, I mean, by the end of it, I was just so burnt out and just so like, why do I have to devote so much time to this? Why did Mm -hmm. I choose to devote so much time to this? At the end of the day, it really sharpened my perspective of like what I am looking for from my career and Mm -hmm. what how much I'm willing to give to it. And Mm. just like how much of work is just this like facade and a game. Mm. And so I have to decide like how much of it I want to play. Right. And grad school definitely did teach me that. And it also taught me like what I want to give my time to because when your time Mm. is such... Like, there's so little of it. You realize how much of a commodity it is. Like, your time is so precious. Yeah. So it did. It taught me that. Okay. It did. (laughs) Wait, so grad school is your pivotal moment, but you don't want the people to go experience their own pivotal? (laughs) Travel. Do something. (laughs) Do something else. (laughs) Y'all kill me with this. Grad school graduates always say that, but I'm like... But I also... You don't feel like it's... um, It just makes you more attractive as a candidate, as, you know, helps you against other people who maybe. Well, that's the other thing. What was so confusing for me is like I went to grad school because part of it was like being more secure in my credentials. Mm -hmm. Because it's like I knew I could do all these things. I just needed someone to co-sign like. Yes, Mm -hmm. she does all these things. Uh, (laughs) But then I got like a really great job after my it was like my mid it wasn't even my midpoint. It was like two years in, I got this really great job and I just had a year mm-hmm. left. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? But <laughs> but I don't know, like pursuing the degree could be part of why I got that great job. Yeah, And yeah. I know it is definitely a chip, a bargaining chip I can use from here. And like being, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know the wage gap, having a chip mm-hmm. as a woman of color in corporate America yes. is never yes. a bad thing. Yes, exactly. So I exactly. okay, I'll stop saying it was a waste of time. I I would also argue <laughs> that it's been a hot two seconds since you graduated. It so has. like let's maybe wait and it see. <laughs> That's true. Let's see what the answer is like in two years, five years, ten years. Like I just feel like maybe farther down the line is when the compound interest okay. gets <laughs> fine. We'll give it time. We'll give it the reunion episode. <laughs> Thank, sure. you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So speaking of episodes, Jobwalks has been kind of right along with us, like running, Mm -hmm. just running right beside us every step of the way. 
And it was really hard when I was trying to think, like, what's the highlight? What's my favorite episode? I I can't. Yeah, same. So maybe it's more like, what has Jawbox taught us? I would say the biggest thing for me, being blessed to be in this position of co-hosting with you and connecting with our community of listeners has been that there is a very real need for all of the things that we're feeling and for spaces where we can have these conversations that, Mm. you know, maybe aren't being addressed. And we're all capable and accomplished, but I feel like one of my biggest things has just been for us to swim in our own lane. Mm. Like our journey is ours and it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. We don't have to try to fit into the mold of the images that, you know, we saw previously that didn't depict us, that didn't portray us as women, as women of color, whatever the case is. Swim in your lane, make it yours. We're just living in such an exciting time now with with technology, with the internet, with social media. Opportunities are existing that never existed before. So if you have that passion and that dream and that vision and you feel like there's a void and you can fill it, go for it. You know, that's one thing that we learned through this platform. And so I would just encourage everyone to just kind of own you, like stick to what you know, what you're passionate about, connect with other people around it. And don't worry about if you don't see it or if you do see it, (laughs) like you still have your own unique perspective and voice that you can put on on something. Yeah, that's so real. Because I remember as we would like kind of get start to get like some of the same questions for Ask Job Logs. And we we were looking at each other like people like just asking us for permission to do the things that they want to yes. do. <laughs> yes. It's like you don't need to ask anyone. Like just get, go, yeah. go do that. But yeah. I wonder, like, is there any advice for people who want to do things like that they deem are unconventional? I guess like what's the smart way to go about it? And I think it's less about viewing it as like, oh, I'm doing this thing no one else has ever done. And more as like just finding the path for it, kind of like looking what you have available. And I guess like stop looking at it as an impossible thing. Like it's valid. Everything that you want is valid. Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel like if it doesn't exist, use like to your point, use what you have. So use the language that people around you can understand Mm -hmm to get them to see the demand or to see that you are filling the void and pay attention to how it's being received. Like when something is for someone and there's a need for it and you feel passionately about that, those people will react to it. So, you know, seek that validation versus other people validating your idea because you don't need that. Amen. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What about you? I would say my... The thing that kept coming up for me and kind of slapping me in the face every every time it came up was this idea that you have to confront an issue. So whether mm. it was in our financial literacy episodes and, you know, we had all these amazing people come on basically saying like, hey, you got to start running from this, whether it's debt, whether it's like a scary loan you want to take out, whether whatever you want to do. Like, you kind of have to, like, look at the thing that scares you in the face. And then once you look at it, then you can make a plan. But you can't make a plan if you're just so busy trying to avoid the uncomfortable things. Um, And that applies for 
so many like workplace issues and whether you're like asking for a new salary or you're looking for a way to fix some issue, it is very much just saying, okay, this makes me uncomfortable, but just because it makes me uncomfortable, that's no reason to avoid it. Like just sit with it. What's the, what's, what's the problem? And you probably have the solution and the solution is probably not even that difficult, but you can't come up with it if you're just so busy you know, wrapped up in anxiety. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, you know, we've shared a little bit of what we're leaving behind taking with us, the pivotal moments, the lessons learned along the way. We definitely want to hear yours. Um, Definitely tweet us, email us, shoot us a note on social. Let us know kind of what you're taking with you and what you've reflected on over the last few years as well. Love it. Now it's time for our final edition of Ask Job Vlogs. You guys know this is one of our favorite segments of the show over the last few years where we get to answer your career, personal life questions. We did a last call and you guys did not disappoint. You shared a few questions that you'd like us to cover. So we're going to run through a few of these now, but... You know, we will not be far if ever you guys have any other additional questions. Definitely don't hesitate to hit us up around the web. Okay. First question is asking how our professional goals have shifted as our personal life has changed. Hmm, That's a good one. I'm curious to hear from you, Courtney, because I feel like you've had the most, the biggest personal life changes, if they can (laughs) even be compared but, you know, it's weird, though. I don't link that, though, mm. to each other. Hmm. I feel like it's more both of them kind of evolve together. Mm. So I don't think, like, so the fact that I am engaged didn't all of a sudden, now I'm thinking about my work differently. It's yeah. kind of like as I've grown as a person, how I view work changes. So for example, when we started the show, late 20s, going into grad school, I kind of viewed, I still had a little bit of that little spunky 20 spirit where I was just very much all about like, how can I, what can I build? And what entrepreneurial thing can I achieve? And kind of very much tying like my professional value to very this kind of entrepreneurial thing that mm-hmm. we are kind of all have. And as I've grown and kind of going through grad school, it was, it's shifted to more like, okay, how can I use a job to live the type of life that I want to live? Yeah, absolutely. And whether that job is with a company, whether it's consulting, whatever, this is the type of life I'm trying to live and what serves that best. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I I think it's just like more of an evolution of you as a whole person. Mm -hmm. And as you evolve, there are moments where personal takes more precedent Mm -hmm. or professional takes more precedent, but they're in concert with each other. It's not like a shift. I mean, I I haven't had a life moment like um, having a child or like building a family, which I think are sometimes scenarios that a little more drastically shift things for you. Definitely. But it's interesting because turning 31, I am in a season now where my priority is a little bit more of 
focusing on family life and building a family and meeting a partner and things like that. But I would, like, if you ask my coworkers, I'm still, like, giving my all. You don't really get the option of, like, giving less So (laughs) at work. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it just becomes more integrated, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. The next question we have asks, how do you go about fostering authentic work relationships? (laughs) (laughs) This is funny to me because I feel like each job I get, I get better at work relationships. Mm. It's like my first job out of college, I was just coming out of HBCU and I was just like, what is happening here yeah. It was like culture shock. I was just like, I'm going to just do this work and I'm going home. Like, oh, right. <laughs> <it's too much. laughs> right. Like the whole, I don't mix work and personal. Bad. Y'all ain't going to know my business. <laughs> Very much. And I think I kind of inherited that a little from just like my mom, too. Like she mm-hmm. kind of always had that mentality as well. Yeah. So I, it, it, it's like a, I'm a flower blooming. Like now yeah. I, like I actually like I go to lunch with the girls. Like yes. I have my people <laughs> that I do things with. Yeah. Um, so I'm growing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are so many, so many layers to this. Like I do think the work world is evolving a little bit um, and making space for different diverse backgrounds. Because I think... Before, it was harder if you didn't look like the mainstream population or, you know, have the same types of hobbies or have the same kind of upbringing. It makes it harder to connect. But I think the world is shifting a little bit more. So this is definitely more of a priority. You know, I'm proud that I'm, I've built real friendships with some of my coworkers mm-hmm. and I'm at their weddings and they support me in my life moments. So you know, it <laughs> it takes time, but I would say share more of yourself. Definitely. You know, that's one way because you can't be closed and come into the office and not share what you did over the weekend or, you know, a little bit about your family and then expect to kind of get that back from people. So share, share the elements of yourself you're comfortable sharing and open up a little bit. That gives people like sort of connection points to bond with you over. Yeah. And curiosity is really mm-hmm. serves you well in building relationships too. Um, what's that quote? It's like interested people are interesting. So like yeah. for people, people love talking about themselves. So, so kind of ask questions and really be open and excited about what their answers are and kind of finding yeah. unexpected things that you connect yeah. with people with. And I don't know if it's cool to say it, but I mean, to build good relationships in work, you got to spend time outside of work. Like, True. Oh, period. Child, as it's, much as I want to go you know, home. Like, home. People will debate you and be like, you don't have to. If you don't drink, don't do happy hours. But you got to find something like whether it's I don't you got to find ways to bond outside of work. I've observed that to be like one of the biggest ways people are forming really tight bonds in the office. Mm-hmm. But. I'm sure everyone has a different opinion on that. Cool. Oh, this is kind of related. How do you advocate and speak up for yourself in the workplace? Any tips Hmm. to develop that skill set? Joy. I feel like you've gotten very good at this, Joy. Yeah, but it's also hard for me to, I don't want to like, it sounds obvious, but I feel like you just do it. Like, it's, I, don't, I just, I don't think it's like this deep answer. I think you have to just get in the practice of starting to do it. Yeah. Even when it's uncomfortable. Like, you have to get out you your know, head about it, I think. You do. 
You do. If you're in a meeting and you generally maybe feel more junior and don't feel like there's an appropriate time for you to jump in and speak, you kind of just have to find that way to wedge yourself in and jump in with a perspective and an opinion or jump in and say, like, I'm happy to take that on as the next step. Mm -hmm. I actually, like, researched about X, Y, Z. I mean, you just have to... You just have to do it. And then I would say the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. I agree. I don't know if that, does that feel right? I don't know. I think <laughs> I think that's right. I think, and it's just being, it's almost like, it's not a context for it, but you can't mm. like let your feelings get bruised about things. So like, for example, someone cutting you off in a meeting, like I think for some of us, our instinct is just yeah. like, oh, I just can't believe I'm about to go to my group chat later and say, I can't believe yeah. he <laughs> cut me off. But in the meeting, it's like, okay, I see you, but I I have an add-on. Yes. <laughs> so it's yes. just like being just in the moment, not taking offense to things and putting yourself out there. Yeah, and I would say another thing that has given me more confidence is you don't always have to speak up with a perspective. You can mm. also speak up to ask questions. Like mm. there are strate- there are ways to make yourself look strategic by just asking the right questions. Sure. Like, you know, stepping in and being like, "Well, have we thought about doing it this way or why do we take a look at it that way like or, that. you know, what are we trying to drive to here?" Like you can jump in in ways that aren't just about like raising your hand and feeling like you have to have all the answers each time because your coworkers ain't doing that. Like they're just talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have one last question here around discussing faith in the workplace. What's your take? Inter- this is interesting. That is interesting. Very specific. I would say for me, I kind of, if you view faith as part of culture, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of easier and fine and acceptable. And I don't think there's any qualms about it because as we just said, like sharing parts of who you are and faith is a part of who you are. And I don't think it's an issue because, and I feel like, it's interesting in the workplace how we're like comfortable about some things and not about others. So for example, yeah. people, coworkers who are like Jewish and they're like really comfortable about saying like the holidays I celebrate and like the food yeah. they eat and what they do. But for other people, I don't know, especially in New York, like it can be very cool to be like kind of like antagonistic of some religions, Yeah, I think. So I feel like it kind of depends on the place that you come from. If you're just sharing, like, this is a part of who I am and I'm just talking about my life, I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I like what you said about uh, faith as part of culture because that is what it is. When you think about dimensions of diversity, a lot of times if you look at, like, employee resource groups at larger companies, You'll have a Black one, an Asian one, and a lot of times you'll have faith-based ones, Mm -hmm. too. Like, you'll have a Christian employee group or a Muslim employee group or a a Jewish one. So, um, you know, I think there's definitely data and business context to why it's important to create communities and recognize the different subsets that already exist at your company, because that's what the question specifically was. Just be mindful that people come from different backgrounds. So be mindful that you're not either, you know, promoting one thing 
with a narrow perspective, but also not like bashing it. Like you said, people can be very antagonistic. You have to be mindful, right. you know, not to make statements or generalizations that you think are the norm just because that's like how your circle rolls because you could be offending um, someone else or not respecting someone else's beliefs. So right. I think, you know, the same as we approach other dimensions of diversity, just being yeah. respectful, being curious. Even politics, um, I think about that too, which again, New York is like so difficult because people say things like really, like about Trump or Republicans and they say things, although the data the data does not support. <laughs> like some of y'all are voting the other way. That's what I'm saying. But um yeah, just kind of being like open and cognizant of other people's perspectives. Yeah, but I would say we're, it's a, we're both cool with it. Like it's, you know, there's a space and a time. It just has to be approached the right way. So there were a few other questions too about um, financial advice, goal setting, planning. Definitely encourage you guys to check out, um, especially our One United sponsored catalog of episodes over the last year. Mm-hmm. You'll find a lot of great gems there. Learn so much. Um, our guests and our own philosophies around budgeting and finances. So definitely check it out. Well, put a pin in it, put a bow on it. It's a wrap. It is a wrap. How are you feeling? This is so bittersweet. It is bittersweet. You know, I'm a true believer in seasons. I'm a believer Mm. in making room for new things. So I was very, like, resolute and fine in our decision. But then the Job Logs fam came through in the comments, and I was just like... Tears, tears. Real tears. Oh my gosh. You guys are so sweet. And, you know, we are so filled with gratitude for this community. Definitely. All of your kind comments, all of your questions, your tweets, your Instagram messages. We have really loved um, connecting with you all over the last few years and learning from you. Definitely. So thank you. I think my parting message if I have to do one, um, (laughs) is definitely viewing work as less as some like clatter that we have to climb, but definitely as a village um, to build and doing job logs for the past three years and meeting so many of our listeners. It just really drove home the point that my goal is to lift up my peers, connect with my peers. Like it's less about catching like the eye of some higher up, you know, yep. we all kind of, especially when you're starting your career, you're like you want to make a good impression for like the boss and all these people. But the people who are really, really going to help you, it's not about like getting some mentor. Your peers can be your mentor too um, yeah. and your support system. So absolutely, definitely, I think job blocks will live on in the community that it's built. And yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's funny and kind of counterintuitive because our episodes have been all around, you know, getting that role or transitioning or negotiating your salary. But if I can leave you guys with one tip, it's just like, don't focus on those things as 
your whole mm. goal, make sure that you're building a, a full and a whole life. You know, your work, your salary, your title, it doesn't define you. It's your values that define you. It's the impact that you have on other people and the connections you have with other people, to Courtney's point, that are going to define you mm -hmm. and give you peace when you lay your head down at night. So just make sure that, you know, it's great to have all those things and we want you guys to continue to succeed, but make sure you're building a whole and a full life outside of work outside of like sort of the material definitions of success and that you are happy and at peace with those decisions within yourself. Yes, yes. But <laughs> onward, onward yes. uh, we go. So definitely still hit up the episode archive whenever you need a refresher and a boost and hit us up too because we're still going to be working and pursuing this mission of kind of building support in the world of work um, for our community. So let us know what you need. Absolutely. Thank you and goodbye. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.